Today's passage is from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 53. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that it is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. our service okay this morning with the snow and welcome to those joining in online uh, as well uh, let's pray again before we dive into the word father we thank you for who you are and on this last sunday of the year uh, we just declare god you to be good uh, over all things no matter what it is that we've gone through the year that we've had you be constant through it all so at this moment lord as we go into your word god may you speak as all year long, as we've been praying, may you give us eyes to see, hearts to comprehend you, and minds to know you. May we experience your presence again this Sunday as we go to your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are some famous sayings out there. Some you probably know, famous sayings and famous quotes. Time is money. When life gives you lemons make lemonade practice makes perfect knowledge is power okay finish this sentence if something is too good to be true it probably is <laughs> if something is too good to be true it probably is the chartered professionals account at cpa and i know we might have a few of them in our church uh, conducted a study earlier this year. Almost three quarters of those surveys uh, received uh, said that they've received some sort of fraudulent request uh, in, in their time, uh, with 44% through email and 33% through telemarketing. And I'm sharing this because it's a boxing day and there's a ton of deals out there. <laughs> and you might be uh, thinking, oh man, that's really good, right? That deal is really, really amazing. Uh, and that survey goes on to say 33% have fallen prey to one or more types of fraud at some point in their life. In 2020, Canadians alone lost $106.4 million to fraud, up from $96 million in 2019, 
And it is believed because the scammers are capitalizing on the fear and anxiety caused by COVID-19. And maybe you receive some of these spam calls, the ones that won't let you leave you alone, that keeps calling you uh, from who knows where, uh, calls and, te and text messages, and just t telling you the CRA needs your information. Uh, call back now. You won a prize. You run a cruise. Call this number to, to come, come back uh, and claim it. And maybe it was a call that sounded like someone needed help, and there's stories like that out there where it's actually someone pretending. I've received quite a few interesting text messages, messages over the last couple weeks. Long time no see through my WhatsApp. They're getting very brave. Long time no see. How have you been doing lately? I'm like, I don't know this person. Should I respond? Probably not. Hello, is this George? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not doing I love this one. Hello, I see a number without a name in my address book. Do we know each other? I don't respond. Five minutes later, please reply when you see me, lady. I'm like, well, <laughs> obviously you don't know who it is that you're talking to. Now, I think about this, and we joke about it, but it's a real thing that's happening around the world with fraud and, and whatnot. But these are coming from places that we do not see, from people that we do not know. Yet, I think about times where there's also other moments where I couldn't believe what it is that I'm seeing, that maybe it is too good to be true, I compared this to the first time I was at the Circus, Circus Away. They've come a few times here in Vancouver, and maybe they're coming again next year if restrictions allow. And I remember seeing these acrobats doing some amazing things, like jumping on this wheel that's spinning hundred, like, I don't know how long, how, how high it is, like, like lots of feet, <laughs> many feet, uh, in the air, where they're jumping on the inside of these rings and the outside of these rings, and all these acrobats doing all these amazing sorts of things. And I couldn't believe that what I was seeing with my eyes, I was thinking, this is too good to be true, what they're doing. That flexibility, man, I would love my back to feel like that. <laughs> my legs to feel like that. Or to be able to move in, in that way. I couldn't believe what I was seeing with my eyes. Why I bring up these stories and why I'm sharing this is because here we're in the last sermon of our series. It's been quite a few. A last sermon of our series called Meals with Jesus. And we've been looking at how Jesus has been having meals with different people throughout the Gospel of Luke. And then he's been sharing different aspects of the kingdom and what it means to be disciples. And for us, we've been learning and relearning aspects of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And just to give you a look into next week, uh, which is the new year 2022 already, we're going to spend some time looking at part two of Luke, which is, if you didn't know, Luke Acts were written together. So we're going to be going into the book of Acts and spending almost half a year uh, through the book of Acts, seeing the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, moving as the church is lit up, literally, and sent out uh, into the world. We're calling that series, the book of Acts, the Gospel in Motion. So we're going to see as a church in uh, 2022 that God's going to call us to be on the move in different areas uh, of the city in your own personal lives. We're going to invite people from different parts of the city to speak. Uh, we have a few different uh, guest worship leaders coming in as well. Uh, some from Worship Central, some from Atesto, some from different churches that are coming in uh, and serving us, uh, giving the team here at, at Lord's Love, the worship team, uh, much needed break, but not only that, but for them to be served as well every single week as they serve a week in and week out. But as we come to the end of the Gospel of Luke, the disciples here, they've been in hiding. They've been in hiding and waiting after Jesus was crucified. But then, just as Jesus appeared to the disciples on the way to Emmaus, which is last week's sermon, he now appears to the disciples who have been walking with them for the past three years. And they thought this is good, too good to be true. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw Jesus mocked and beaten and buried. They saw him die 
and buried, and they thought this is too good to be true. In fact, the morning of, in this passage, they were just at the tomb, and they couldn't find the body, so they're mourning and grieving and, and hiding. They thought this is too good to be true. What is happening? Because Jesus appears to them. Locked doors and all, as they're in hiding, appears to them, and they struggled to believe. Though the disciples thought it was too good to be true, Jesus didn't leave them there. Jesus reaffirms them and their faith and their struggle. And even though it seems like it's too good to be true, he affirms them that everything they have witnessed indeed is true. Everything that they believed, everything they have sensed and felt, every experience that they've had with Jesus indeed is true. That they don't, though they're wrestling with their doubts, they don't need to because Jesus is who he says he is. And what I'm hoping for this morning, the big idea for us, is this, that since Jesus is everything that he said, as disciples, we'll receive everything that he said. Since Jesus is everything that he said, we'll receive everything that he says, that Jesus is who he says he is. And he says those words in Luke 24 to the disciples who are hiding in fear, thinking this is too good to be true. See, Cleopas, uh, as that last section of text ended off, ran back to the disciples that were in hiding, and he was saying, hey, everything is true. We just met this Jesus on the road, and he shared us, he opened up the scriptures, he opened up our minds, he opened up to what he's doing, and this is all true. And then we read this in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Cleopas was sharing his experience. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. After not seeing the disciples for a little bit and the horrifying events that the disciples just went through, what are Jesus' first words here? It's peace. Peace be with you. And that's because as, as disciples of, of Jesus, we understand this. The peace of Jesus, that the peace Jesus offers is unparalleled to the peace that's offered in the world or the, the things in the world that they try to offer. The peace Jesus offers is unparalleled. That is what the disciples needed in that moment. It was this peace. This peace. In a year where everything was going crazy, in a time where there are so many uncertainties and unknowns, what the disciples needed is peace. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's what we're going through at this moment. And we need to remember again the context of this passage. They were at the tomb earlier. Jesus' body is gone. They saw him beaten, crucified, dying, and died, and buried. And now they're locked away, hiding. And the first thing he says is peace. Could have said anything else, maybe hi. <laughs> How's it going? How are you feeling? No, the first thing he says is peace. And that's because Jesus, he knows what their souls are going Jesus says this to calm the storms happening in their souls at that moment. To calm the souls of his disciples. And the, the word here used for peace, it means quietness, stillness, rest. It's a word that means wholeness and that peace of mind. The Hebrew counterpart is a word that you're familiar with. It's shalom. It's shalom. In other words, Jesus is saying shalom be with you. Shalom be with you. Why is that important? Because shalom also means Harmony, wholeness, completeness, and goodness. In other words, it's all the things that you're meant to experience in the kingdom of God. When we say shalom be with you, we're saying, may you experience the kingdom of God. May the kingdom of God be present. May what you're going through right now, despite the craziness of the world, may God's kingdom invade into your life. May you experience what it's like to be in heaven here on earth right now. 
That's what Jesus is saying in terms of calming the storms in their souls. That's what they needed. When someone says, Shalom be with you, it carries this meaning that God's kingdom is here. It's going to be okay. Jesus is here. It's going to be okay. But they were startled. They're startled and frightened because I would be too loud. Doors were locked. And I looked over to Peter, you unlocked the door again? <laughs> you know, what did you do? You're looking out again? Like, no, they were startled because the doors were locked and they thought they saw a ghost because only ghosts, quote unquote, could make it through into the walls, so they thought. So he said to them, Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. A double affirmation. It's not just I, but it's myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of rolled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And while, I'll read it again, verse 41, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, in other words, it's, it's a way of expressing it was too good to be true. It was joy and amazement, but also shock and fear. It was too good to be true that this Jesus that they saw die and buried is alive in front of them. And then Jesus asked them for some fish. I asked them for some food to prove to them that he's a real physical being, a glorified body, eating and drinking before them. Notice all the verbs here that we just read, right? All the verbs of, of seeing. Look at my hands and my feet, Jesus says. Touch me and see. Show them his hands and feet. He took and he ate it in their presence, meaning there's witnesses. I saw Jesus doing exactly what he says he's going to do. Jesus helps the disciples. He helps them to, to believe. Uh, to believe by showing that he is really risen. He's showing them that he's really risen. He doesn't leave them on their own to figure things out, but he shows up in a real way to show them that he is who he says he is, that he is real, that he is trustworthy. And for us this morning, we see this, that Jesus prepares us before he sends us out. As disciples, he prepares us as disciples by helping us believe Jesus is real. And some of you need that this morning. You're doubting, is Jesus real? Is Jesus alive and moving? Because I look at the world, and I look at COVID, and I look at all the pain and suffering in the world. I look at my own life and what I'm going through right now, and I don't know if Jesus is real. We all need those moments to realize that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is real. Those moments, he is real, that those moments where you have tasted and seen God at work. Those moments where you knew deep down in your soul that there must be a God because God is reaching out to you. God is speaking to you. Don't ignore those moments, but hold on to them. Because those moments are treasured moments. When we go through the rocky soil, when we go through the waves of life, and the storms of life, those are the moments that we remember and we count the things that God has done. We need those moments, those moments where we realize where Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe you've had those moments yourself. Those moments becomes moments that we look back to. The Old Testament talks so much about setting up altars. Wherever God does something amazing, like opening the Red Sea or crossing the, the Jordan, the first commandment is to set up some rocks as an altar, as a sign to remember, so that every single time they go through something tough, they look back like, oh right, God rescued us. God was there, God was present, and he's going to be there again. He showed up in very real ways. Cohen, this week when I was driving, he noticed two different times in our car. There was the clock on our car, and then there was the clock on my phone. And he noticed, like, hey, daddy, I can't remember what time, it's like 9. I was driving him on the way to school, uh, to, uh, to camp. 
So it's probably 9, 9.25 or something like that, okay? He's like, hey, one says 9.25 and one says 9.26. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the, the, the two clocks, like, they're different because they're set differently. And then he asked me a very smart and brilliant question. He's like, which one is right? And I was thinking in my mind, which one is right? Probably my iPhone, because my iPhone's never wrong. <laughs> and it's tuned into the internet. It's probably the clock in my car, because it's you know on its own kind of thing. And then I went on to explain how there's the Greenwich Mean Time in the world, how there's one clock that we all base out of all clocks off of in Greenwich, and he stopped listening. Like as he often does, like good for you, Dad. Like no, the usual. Things that he says, but that was a great question. Like, which clock is right? And I was thinking in our lives, where do we tune our lives to? Right? What are the pillars and moments where we tune our lives back to and be like, hey, yeah, God did show up? Because as we move from those moments, we start deviating, right? We, we, we in our lives, things happen, and we start getting distracted and maybe corrupted because of the, the, the sin in our lives and in, the, in our world. But we look back to these moments and we recalibrate and say, God showed up in real ways. And here, Jesus shows up in real ways, literally, physically, in the presence of the disciples there. And Jesus shows them uh, just how powerful, how amazing, how true it is. Even though it seems too good to be true, it is true. And what does Jesus point to? He points to the crucifixion as evidence. He points to the crucifixion as evidence that he, he is real. He says, look at my hands and at my feet. The crucifixion isn't just a footnote, but it's the note that we look back to. as a sign that Jesus is who he says he is, that he, God loves us that much. In verse 44, he says to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that, that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It sounds a whole life like the book of Acts, which we'll get into next week. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I'm about to send you. But I won't send you without first preparing you. That's the promise that God has. He doesn't leave us on his own. I'm not going to send you out without preparation, but I haven't prepared you for the last three years, but yet there's still one final touch that you need before you go. So I'm going to, before I send you, I'm going to prepare you. And how does Jesus prepare us again? He prepares us by realizing that, helping us realize that he is real. He shows up in real ways in our lives. Maybe you're pondering that. Have you experienced Jesus? In a very real way. But another way he prepares us is by helping us understand the scriptures. Jesus prepares us as disciples by helping us understand the scriptures. And this word for open, as we read back in that section of text there, this word for open is interesting because it's the same word that, uh, that the Old Testament was also translated into Greek, and we call that the Septuagint, that gets really geeky. But it's the same word uh, that's used in in the Old Testament to explain how Adam and Eve, their eyes were opened. Uh, their eyes were opened to, to, to God and to the world when they ate of the forbidden fruit. We see this in Genesis chapter 3, at verse 4 to 5. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman when she was being, when they're being tempted to eat the fruit. For God knows that what you when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. There's that word. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil, which is a total lie from Satan. 
And verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's interesting here on a few notes, this is a sermon of itself, but when we, uh, when we go into sin, and the lie of Satan is for us to go into hiding, for us to cover up in shame, which is the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they committed sin. But here, this word for open, it's the same word that's used here, we see here in Luke chapter 24. And why do I bring this up? Because there's a difference between Satan opening up our eyes and God opening up our eyes. How do we know if our minds have been opened by God or not? The question is, do, it comes down to, do we understand the scripture, scriptures or not? Do we understand the scriptures or not? That's a way that God uses to open up our minds. Those moments where we come to understand scripture, where this word for understanding means to bring together, those moments where we're able to bring together scripture, those are Holy Spirit-inspired God moments. Jesus, real in your life moments, speaking to you. You know our minds our minds are opened by God, not when it brings us, brings us into shame, or brings us into hiding, brings us to cover ourselves up, or brings us to think that we are God. We know our minds are opened by God when it brings us closer to God. When it brings us closer to God, and here Jesus uses the word as a tool for that, to bring us closer to God, to understand who he is. From the scriptures, Jesus taught them, again, the point of the cross, that this is what had to happen. That the Messiah will suffer, but on three days he will rise again. How it is through the cross we're able to repent and receive forgiveness from our sins, not the ways of the world, not trying harder, not working harder, or being smarter, but coming closer to God. Again, as I mentioned, the cross isn't a footnote that Jesus mentions, but the starting point of your life. And when we understand that, we're be being equipped a little more. When you understand that the cross is real, that what Jesus did on the cross was real, and how he died and he rose again, those are godly moments where God has spoken into your life. Those are moments that we can see God preparing our hearts for the world as he sends us out. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And when they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they continued, stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The temple at that time, and I still believe uh, to this day, it, it represents God's presence. So people go to the temple, even though God is everywhere, for them to dedicate themselves to, to experience God, to know God is real, to remind themselves. So that's the temple is a sign of God's presence. So them going to the temple was them drawing close to God, being where God is, just praising God. That's their response. How did they respond to meeting Jesus, to being their minds being opened up to the word, to them knowing that Jesus is real? Their response is worship. That's the theme we see time and time again through the Gospel of Acts. Whenever someone comes to realize who this Jesus is, whenever someone comes to know who this God is, the right response is worship. It's worship of this God. And Jesus prepares us. Jesus prepares us to be a witness by giving us joy, by helping us experience this joy. Jesus prepares us to be a witness by giving us this joy that whenever we encounter this God, we leave, we leave changed 
something inside of us shifts a little bit more. We become that much closer to this God that we follow. These disciples, from a moment of horror and pain and suffering, after encountering Jesus, they switch to this joy, this great joy, the story of Christmas, really, as we're still in that season. A story of great joy, of, of rejoicing in this God that we love and we follow, that everything is going to be okay. Yesterday, I got a chance to spend some time sledding. Uh, you saw, maybe you saw some of that on, on Instagram. I was cold. I was tired. It's like, I was like, Daddy, again. I'm like, yeah. You know, the hill is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it seems. And, and uh, someone messaged me. I think it was Lavelle. The message was like, oh, the poor grass. The poor grass on that field. Yeah, I'm like, you know, Cohen, we're tearing up the grass. You know, maybe we should go home uh, <laughs> and whatnot. Uh, but it's just having so much fun. And, and this little sled that we bought, uh, it's not that big, it's maybe this big. And he was like, Dad, let's go down together. I'm like, you know, this is the end of me. This is going to be the end of me. So I got on and we sat on it and we had the time of our lives. We filmed. He's like, I want to film. I want to film. So he filmed himself. He's supposed to be forward, but he filmed his own face, which is hilarious. Uh, but in that moment, I experienced this joy and this joy of my son being with his dad as we sat in that little sled, little, little red sled together. As we sat there, this this joy that the numb like my feet and my hands that were so numb and cold just kind of went away for that moment. The laughter and the joy, that moment that we both experienced, was so awesome and so powerful. Uh, so powerful, in fact, that when we're going down, it blew Cohen's like gloves off. I don't know how that happened because <laughs> he was like trying to claw the snow. And then these two moms like, "Hey, you forgot your gloves!" You know, running afterwards. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a really good dad." <laughs> you know. But I think for us here, that Jesus he prepares us, that all of this isn't meant to be theoretical. This walk with Jesus is real. His resurrection is real. The scriptures that points to him are, are real and meant to encourage us. That it's not meant just to be an academic exercise, but it's meant to be an experience that changes us, that builds in us this real joy. For, for, for those seconds that we were on that hill, Cohen and I experiencing that joy and that laugh together, I believe even more so that's what God desires with us. To be like, son, daughter, sit with me, be with me, experience this love with me. That in that moment, the pain and the suffering and the sorrow all goes away. We can experience that not just in heaven, but right now, every day, in our time with God. He prepares us, before he sends us out, to experience this joy. I have this prayer for us. That if you haven't experienced this joy yet, to pray that you will experience this joy, this love, and this comfort as you experience this God. But what if as a church, as we go into 2022, that we'll learn, maybe maybe relearn again what it means to have this joy in the Lord, and to live out the joy of God together. That even though life is tough, that I have this joy when I'm, that because God is present in my life. God is with me. God is with us as a church. Since Jesus is everything he said, as disciples, we receive everything he said. That as we go into the new year, that we'll be a joyful church, a church that celebrates, but a church, not, not only a church that mourns and be close with those that are mourning and hurting, but in light of that, still find joy. Joy in our worship. Joy in our singing. Joy in our prayer. Joy in our circumstances. Joy in our relationships with one another. Because I believe truly that 
God can, is present here, that this joy isn't just sometime, some, somewhere in the future in heaven, but we're meant to experience that right now. A joy in our relationships, a joy in your marriage, a joy in your, in your career, a joy in your schooling. As we go forward, that God will fill us with this joy, that we'll experience him abundantly more. Let's pray, Father, on this last Sunday of the year, we celebrate who you are and recount all the great things that you are doing. God, we thank you that everything you said will come to pass, that you are who you say you are. And because everything you said will come is true, everything you said, all the promises you have for us are also true. So God, may we hold on to your promises this season, this Christmas season, as we go into the new year. God, may you, just like the disciples, when they saw the resurrected Christ, when they, their minds were opened up to the scriptures, that they bursted out with this great joy. God, I pray that over our church, that psalms of great joy would burst from our community here. The stories of God and what you are doing, the stories of your saving grace would burst forth from this place that Lord's love and that we would experience this joy personally. So Lord, those aspects of our lives that we're needing redeeming, God, you do what only you can do. You, may you redeem it. May you bring healing. May you bring joy. May you bring goodness. May you bring shalom into our lives, this peace that transcends understanding. And may we respond as a church and as the people of God with praise, glory, and exaltation, because God, that is what you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.